the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hi, everybody. Good to be with you again today on this Wednesday. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. This hour, we'll talk about dads and fatherhood and parenthood a little bit with Father's Day coming up. And we have a guest, Louis Giglio, Pastor Louis Giglio. He'll be with us in the next segment. So stay with us. A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So to put it on a personal level, what just came into your mind or what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. That is Louis Giglio. And he's using one of my favorite quotes, except that he quotes it correctly. I usually say that that, uh, the most important thought you think is the thought you think about God. That's the way I learned it, but uh, the way he says it is right. Anyway, he's got a new book and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. When all the stuff going on in the news and things, I think things do do come down to parenting. I had a parenting moment with my younger son this morning, and I won't get into it. I'm not going to embarrass him on that, but it's one of those things where I drop him off at a football camp that he's at today. Flag football, not tackle football, but they're playing some flag football at this camp. And then, you know, the rest of my drive in, I'm just thinking about, did I handle that right? Do you ever do that as a parent? Do you just, and I think that we all do, right? Hopefully we do, because even if we did, we should always question how we do things and if it was the right approach. And I had that moment today as a dad, and it's hard because I I think, you know, mostly it's certainly something I needed to address and those kind, and I think I needed to address it directly, and I did that, but it never feels good. It never, you know, I think one of the reasons that we don't punish our kids or discipline our kids the way maybe we ought to sometimes is because it hurts us. It's better for the kids, but it often hurts us. And that is something that unfortunately is the direction of parenting, and it's wrong because it's not wise we do need to do that. And I thought I'd talk about that a little bit. You know, when I see so many things happening, we're talking about the school issues with the curriculum and parents and the relationship with parents and teachers. And there's a lot of sides to that in our culture today, right? There's why is the school hiding things from parents? But why is it that parents often don't side with the teacher if there's a discipline issue with their kids, right? There's there's some things that are breaking down that have to do with the rights of parents, the right thing to do with parents. And just want to give you something here. The book of Proverbs talks about per- parenting a lot. The book of Proverbs, when you read it, it's probably a book that's for kids, that is for parents to teach to their kids when they are 12 or 13 years old. 
and it'll dress sons, but you can easily apply that to daughters. And let's say, you know, probably back in the day, Proverbs might be the childhood manual for boys, and Song of Solomon might be the childhood manual for girls. That's debatable, but both are relevant for each each kid for a boys and girls. There's a organization, a foundation, the Carnegie Foundation. They put out a report on education and parenting and things like that. A few years ago, they put out a report, and this is basically what it said. It it was talking about the differences of how we're raising our kids today than how we used to do it. And you know what? It's obviously when it comes to family, when it comes to raising your kids, there's a lot of of complexities. There's a lot of things that is, you know, there's a lot of nuance involved based on what type of kid you have. For example, you know, my kids respond differently to different types of discipline, right? Sometimes you need to send them to their room and they'll think about it. Sometimes you have to take away video games. Uh, Sometimes you have to do something that is different. Um, But here's something that is, you know, the book of Proverbs, when it talks about this, it tells us a lot. Proverbs 10.1, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. And that's definitely true. And we need to be wise. See, in the, in the traditional way of raising your kids, the idea was the main goal is control. You control your kids and you want to make sure that you're helping guide them as they grow up. And sometimes that control is overbearing and it's too much. But the the modern look at it is that the main goal is love and admiration. You want to be liked by your kids. And both of those things really have some problems in some ways. See, the Bible, and specifically in Proverbs, says the primary role of the parent is to teach wisdom to your kids. And if what you say right now, sometimes we say, I have to teach wisdom. Well, what if I'm not the wise person? What if I'm not wise well, that's why you've got the Bible. That's why you've got a book. That's why you have the book of Proverbs in your Bible. And this was used by parents, has been used for 3,000 years to teach kids about wisdom. So the Carnegie Report, as I was saying, it says this. It says that your job is to give your kids self-esteem while they know they are loved and good people. And when you think about some of the issues we're dealing with today— this report gives some of the philosophy that's behind it so that your job as a parent, according to them, is that your job is to give your kids self-esteem, make sure they know they are loved and good people. And it suggests that you let the experts teach your kids right and wrong and shape them. In other words, schools should teach right and wrong and wisdom. And your job as a parent is to just keep your kid happy. This is what's behind the idea when you hear people say things like we've got to take care, we've got to listen to our kids and do what they say. In particular, tomorrow we'll talk more about it, but in particular, the issues of children who come out and they're seven years old and they say they're trans or they're something. And the new trend, if you look at it this way, is to say to the kid, okay, I affirm you and uh, we're going to let you be a girl if you're a boy. We're going to let you be a boy if you're a girl. And we're just going to do that rather than say, no, you're a boy. Right, rather than have some wisdom with things. See, in other words, the the report and the training that's going on that's behind the education system in our church in our schools, which has been going on a long time, is to say that the government raises your kids with right and wrong and wisdom, and your job as a parent is just keep your kid happy. See, here's the problem with having experts teach your kid things. There's no such thing as an expert. Does that make sense? It's you know, Racism is wrong. It's not scientific. It's ethics, religion, and faith. It's wrong. But the 
it's something that you don't need some kind of expert. It's just wrong because of ethics, religion, and faith. And, you know, the main job of a parent, actually, with your kids, and this is what I'm dealing with with my sons, the main job is to teach good and bad, right and wrong, and what is wise. That that needs to come from mom and dad, not just in the words we use, but in how we act. Because our kids are looking at us. You know, you looked at your mom and dad. You looked at them, and you you judged their behavior um, according to what they told you to do. I deal with this, right, because we limit our kids to screen time. Not a lot of time on TV, not a lot of time in the games. It's summertime now. They got a little extra time, but we still limit it, and we want them to go outside. One of the reasons John is in football camp is because we want him to be outside and enjoying the summer because if we don't do that, in this world today, if you haven't been a parent for you know maybe 20 or 30 years, the video game thing and the online gaming and all that, you can spend all day on that. And the way it works now, it's different than when I was a kid. When I was a kid, you might go and play video games with a friend. At least you're social. Today, that social thing happens on, online with video games. So sometimes video games, you're just buried in whatever the fantasy world is, and there's the adrenaline and all the chemical things going on that keep you playing that game. But it can also be very relational. So when my boys play video games and the limited couple of hours we'll give them, often they're online with their friends, right? It's very social. And in a way, it's replaced getting on your bike and going to a friend's house and playing wiffle ball in the front yard or or hanging out doing whatever you're going to do. Uh, we're trying to make sure that that can happen. And that's a whole different discussion here. But what I struggle with and Christy will struggle with too, is our kids are watching us when we're on our phone, when we're on our iPad or we're watching TV. My job has me on my phone all the time because I'm constantly reading. I'm reading news. I am reading uh, different reports. I'm, I am studying things. I'm reading people's books. And I love it that I can do that on my phone because I always have it with me. If I'm in some long line at Costco, I can actually get my book read, right? I can actually work. I can actually read articles. I can save things as we prepare for the show. So sometimes I play games, but not typically on my phone. I play, I still play Wordle every morning. Uh, Wilbert's nodding. Do you still play Wordle? Remember that was like a hit a year ago. That's all. It was the obsession. No, I, I've fallen off, but I was obsessed for a while. Yeah, I fell off for a while, but that's because I was, as, I, as you might recall, I was the world champion uh, Wordle that's what we said last year. I do that every day, but it's it takes, you know, five seconds. I've got two or three words that I just do, and then I usually by the fourth guess, I got it. I think when New York Times bought it, that's when I fell off. Yeah, when the New York Times bought it, now they're now they're tracking you and the, the only good thing is that if you if you, you lose it, you can log back in and you save your stats. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, see. But see how distracting video games can be? I mean I could have just spent the rest of the segment talking about Wordle. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, Louis Giglio will be with us here in just a few minutes uh, to talk about his new book on fatherhood. So this is something, when I talk about the Carnegie Report, which said that your job as a parent, this is a foundation that does a lot, that influences education and influences unions, that influences the way the public schools are run, and this is a lot of why we have these problems that we're dealing with today, because the philosophy is this. Schools should teach right and wrong and wisdom, and your job as a parent is just to be liked by your kid, to make sure your kid is happy, whatever that means. Let me tell you something. As a parent, and I know this, maybe I know it just because I've been a pastor for so long, and I've watched people grow up. I've had the opportunity 
my whole life really, because my dad was a pastor. So I'm always, I've always been in the church world and in the youth group world and kids ministry. And then later on, I'm doing that business. And I have seen kids from zero to 25, like their whole life and had really good relationships with, I can tell you this for sure. Parents who imperfectly teach their kids about wisdom end up with happier kids than parents who imperfectly try to make their kids happy, but don't teach wisdom and don't teach right and wrong. Those kids struggle a lot more often when they get older because they're left on, to their own devices. They're left to their own in, in high school in particular where they begin to have freedom from mom and dad and they begin to rebel. And then if they see mom and dad don't want me on my phone all the time, but mom and dad are on their phone all the time. That's what I was getting at with being on my phone all the time is my kids will accuse me when I'm limiting their time. Nope, you're done. Time is out. And I can block it. I can block their phones on from my phone, right? And then they see me sitting on a chair scrolling through my phone, even though I'm kind of working. That time should be theirs for something else. You know, I think I'm doing it wrong. You know, there's a time for work and there's a time to understand that. But there's a time to put down your work, whatever it is, whether it be your job or housework or a chore you've got to do, whatever, you know, things are on on for you and be with your kids. Uh, I struggle with that sometimes, but it is something that I'm aware of. That's something we got to do. You know, most of us, we jettison what our parents said was right and wrong at some point, right? Uh, and we jettison also what our schools teach. That's why wisdom is so important, because when we're taught wisdom, we're more likely able to make a wise choice when we forgot what mom and dad taught us between right and wrong. Proverbs twenty three twenty two. Such a good book, by the way. Proverbs. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. The father of a righteous man has, a, has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. May your father and mother be glad. May she who gave you birth rejoice. There's important things for you as a parent that you teach wisdom. You say, well, I don't have any wisdom. That's why we have Proverbs. You do have it. You've got a book. It's not that you taught right and wrong. It's that you taught. See, kids are going to reject some of the things that you say. They're going to develop their own values, and they're going to like their own music, and they're going to like a bunch of, you know, they're going to wear funny clothes, and you're going to, it's just going to be different. But I'll tell you what, if you've taught them wisdom and you've taken the time to delight in your kids, your kids do better later. Notice the father and mother delight. See, if parents are inconsistent, they, they don't delight. Uh, when parents are inconsistent, we, we know it. We know when uh, we're being inconsistent. I know that I'm not being – I know I got in trouble once, and my – and John, my youngest, he caught me. We used to tell him and the boys, don't drink out of the milk carton. You know, go get a cup and pour it out there. And one time, I don't know, it was 11 o'clock at night. He was supposed to be in bed, and I went to the fridge, and I don't want to dirty a glass. So I grabbed the milk carton, put it up to my mouth, and while I'm drinking, there's Johnny looking right at me. I know I'm in trouble. Have you ever done that? <laughs> I definitely have. And he brings that up to me to this day. That must have been, you know, eight years ago when that happened. But it's still, you know, he was a little kid, but he remembers. Uh, maybe five, five years. Discipline matters. You know, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. That bothers people, that, that verse there. You know, but if you are thinking that, you know what, I, I get hurt because it's hard to discipline my kid, and they might say mean things to you, and kids do, even the most loving kid. At some point, they're going to talk back to you. They're going to call you out on something that you've actually done right. 
it's still okay. Rod of discipline, by the way, it means coach. It doesn't literally mean go get a rod and, and strike them with it. It means coach. I'm not saying I'm against spanking or things like that, but it doesn't just mean that. The rod of discipline, it means that as a parent, you take authority. And it can mean you know, corporal punishment like that, but it doesn't have to mean that. The Proverbs teach us something really great. Train up a child in the way he should go. Make sure your training fits the nature of that child, right? Some kids don't need corporal punishment. They, some need a dirty look. You know, I can do that. I can give my kids a look and they know what it means. My dad was really good at that. To this day, there's a look that my dad, if he gives me, it would shame me. <laughs> it really would. And, you know, he's just very good at that. It means something. You know, and your kids might think that you're wrong about things and they might rebel and they might run off in a huff and just stay in the room. But later they're going to understand that you prepared them for life. And that is something that as parents we have to do. Proverbs three eleven and 12, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. It's, you know, the opposite of despise is honor. You know, the commandment about your, your parents is honor them. It doesn't say love your parents, obey your parents, admit, admire your parents, trust your parents, have affection for your parents. The Bible tells you to honor your parents. Why? Uh, you know, it's, there's a whole lot of reasons for that. Um, and by the way, that honor your parents, it's for kids, but it's also for adults, right? That was given in the Ten Commandments and uh, to the people of Israel, and they're wandering around the desert. And the older people, the parents, are getting kind of grumpy, like I would today if I'm out in the desert wandering around. I'm tired. I'm ready to go home. Uh, they didn't really have that option. And I think, I think that some of the adult kids were getting tired of their parents. And the argument is you honor them. See, you, you, you must always honor your parents as hard as that might be, might be. And, you know, there are simple ways to do that. If you're thinking, how do I honor my dad or my mom this weekend or something? Because it's, and it's especially hard if your parents weren't very good parents. Or maybe your dad isn't a great dad and you're going to be with them. Uh, you know, here's a few things for you that I want to give. You know, find the appropriate symbols for how to honor them in your culture. My wife is huge on this. Christy. It is a huge deal. Two things when we go to a restaurant. She will let whoever the oldest woman is in the group, you let them walk first. I guess that's a thing. Christy demands that of our family. So when we're with grandma, she goes first. And when we're sitting down at the table, and you'll notice this, right? Most waiters, and uh, they know if you're at a group of people in your family, if they're trained well, and they usually aren't, they'll look to the oldest woman first. Now that can be, they're not going to ask who's the oldest, but let's be honest, sometimes you can tell, right? And if you make a mistake, not a big deal, but when you know, you know. And, you know, another thing for your parents, and I know it's hard, but don't underestimate your parents' thoughts that they want to see themselves reproduced in you. It isn't right in the sense that we're supposed to make disciples of Jesus, not disciples of ourselves, right? But there are certain things. When I pray for my kids, there are things that I pray for. I pray that they get these things from me and these other things from their mom. And I pray that they don't get certain things from me and that they don't get certain things for their mom. But I know that we, in different ways, become our parents. Your, your mom and dad, regardless of how well they served you as a parent, they do have a, a sense of that parental thing. And then I think another thing to do is let your parents change. 
you know, you've got to forgive them. Uh, Proverbs twenty twenty says, if a man curses his father or mother, his lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. Why is that? You know, we have, sometimes we have good reasons to uh, be critical or curse our father and mother. Some of you have really terrible things that have happened to you, and that's real. And days like Father's Day are hard, really difficult. But we're also supposed to forgive them, and that has a lot to do for us. If you stay resentful at your parents for life, it distorts your life. You know, you haven't really grown up, and it affects the decisions you make. It'll affect how you relate to your own kids. It's a lot harder than these things, but this is God's desire. His desire is to have great relationships with parents, and it's hard. But you do it with wisdom. Wisdom is something that begins with the Lord. It begins with Jesus. And you say, I'm not perfect, but you are. You are wisdom. He's wisdom. So follow Jesus and be a child of God, honor God, make him the center center of your life. You know, if the kids are the first thing in your life and you're a parent, uh, you're only going to be okay if your kids are okay. I know some people like that. I know some people that are, they're perfectly fine as long as their kids are fine. But if their kids are having a hard time, they're a wreck and they interfere with their kid's life in such, in kind of a terrible way. I know, I know some people who have lost relationships or hurt relationships with their kids because they're interfering. But the thing is, is that they're trying to help. Mom and dad are trying to help, but it's selfishly motivated because they see themselves and their kids and it's really about them. It gets complicated, right? Try to forgive your parents for those kinds of things. And don't try. It's really a, a command from God. You know, we think about these days we always make, and I'm going to talk about this probably with Louie in just a minute, but Louie Giglio will be on the show here after the break. And it is easy to, um, you know, to hold grudges or to, um, you know, keep blaming or trying not to become our parents. Um, But you got to show your kids, um, you've got to let them grow up. You've got to love them the way God loves you and stay on the right path. I think these things are really important. All right, you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. When we come back from the break, my guest will be Louis Giglio, Pastor Louis Giglio, and we're looking forward to having him. So this is, uh, we'll come back with Louis Giglio as the Wednesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. He teaches us that he's a creator, that he's omnipotent, that he's sovereign, that he's a judge, that he's Lord. But Jesus teaches us one thing about God above everything else. 189 times in the four gospels alone, Jesus teaches us this one thing about God. And the one thing that he teaches us more than anything else is that God is a father. Welcome back, everybody. My guest today is Louis Giglio. Louis Giglio is the pastor of Passion City Church and the founder of the Passion Movement, which exists to call a generation to leverage their lives for the fame of Jesus. Louis is also the author of several national best-selling books, such as Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, Goliath Must Fall, I Am Not, But I Know I Am, and Indescribable, A Hundred Devotions About God and Science, also How Great Is Our God, A Hundred Indescribable Devotions About God and Science, and The Wonder of Creation, A Hundred More Devotions About God and Science. This month, he's released a new book in time for Father's Day called Seeing God as a Perfect Father. Louis, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Could not be happier to be here. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. What are your plans for Father's Day this weekend? What's a good Father's Day for you? 
Well, that's a great question. Actually, this Father's Day, I'm headed to Miami, Florida. Shout out to my friends at VU Church. I'm going to be speaking at VUCon, which is an incredible conference for believers and for all people, really, in Miami, Florida. And I'll be headed home on Sunday. So Dr. Crawford Loritz, a great friend, is going to be preaching at Passion City Church Mm. in my place on Sunday morning. And I'll be on Delta, which is where I spend a lot of my life. But uh, (laughs) fortunately, Shelly will be with me. And so that's going to be Father's Day for us this year. All right. That's going to be a busy day. Well, Well, tell us about your own father and what you what did your own father teach you about an earthly father's role? Well, you know, my dad, Scott, and I talk about this a lot in the book, uh, had a really terrible relationship with his dad, almost no relationship. And his dad died when I was a baby, so I never really got to know him. But my dad really wasn't able to, you know, come out of the woundedness that he lived in and really truly rise up and be, I think, fully everything God wanted him to be. But given all that, he was a great dad to my sister and to me. She was favorite. I was my mom's favorite, but my dad loved me. He set a great example for me, taught me how to play golf, taught me to love creativity, art, and design. My dad was a graphic designer, and he taught me how to be an original, and he taught me the value of words. I think a lot of what I do in life right now, I got from my dad. And my sister actually sat on the couch with him the day that he stenciled out the Chick-fil-A logo, the same logo they still use all this time later. Really? He, he wrote, he designed that? Wow. My dad did the little chicken head Chick-fil-A, and um, they've tweaked it and beefed it up a little bit, a little heavier um, line count. But my dad designed that in his freelance time in 1964, and that's the kind of stuff I was around growing up. We didn't have a lot of common ground around our faith, my dad and I. But we had a lot of common ground around creativity and around uniqueness, around design. And I think anything and everything I've ever, you know, tried to do to be creative, I got that from my dad. Hmm. I think I did not know that. That's an amazing story. You know, um, you start your book out by using a quote from A.W. Tozer. It's a quote I use all the time, although I usually butcher it when I say it. But the actual <laughs> – I would say uh, the most important thought you think is the thought you think about God, which sort of flows, but it's not exactly what he said. The, the quote is, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Why is that so important? Well, because we're moving toward God, and I try to unpack this a little bit in the book, but we were created by God and for God. I know that's a a, a newsflash for a lot of people, but we (laughs) didn't create ourselves, Ah. and we certainly don't create Him. We are created by God. But here's the beautiful thing, uh, Pastor. The uh, Scripture says we're, we're created by God and for God. And we are moving towards our Creator. Paul talked about that in that beautiful sermon that he gave on Mars Hill. And so if our view of God is jacked up, then we're we're moving either towards or, in some cases, away from God Mm. because of the concept that we have of Him. So it's imperative that we get the right view of God because there is a longing in our heart to find Him. And to be connected to Him, be in relationship with Him, that's true of every single person on planet Earth today. So we've got to get a right view of God in view. 
You know, we started off with a audio clip of a sermon that you did talking about how Jesus so often describes God as our Father. And, you know, it's a great topic for Father's Day, obviously, but at the same time, that's difficult for people if their view of their own dad is not very good, and now you have to apply that somehow to God. How do we, how do we move past that? Wow, it's just a, such a heartbreaking thing to realize how many of us had a situation going on with an earthly dad that left us with a really bad experience. And I've had it said to me many, many times, Pastor, that, you know, if God's a father, or if God's like my dad, I don't want anything to do with him. And it's just always been freeing to come back around people, A, to say, I'm so sorry about the relationship you had with your dad, but God's not like your father. God's not the bigger version of your dad. He, The way I say it in the book is he's not the reflection of our earthly dad. He's the perfection of our earthly dad. He's everything you wanted your earthly dad to be and more. And so I think the way that we begin to move through is to let Jesus teach us, then who is this perfect father? What is he like? What is his character? How can I know that I can trust him? And how can I come into a relationship with him? And that way, no matter what happened in our story, in our earthly family tree, we can be born again, Pastor, into Mm -hmm. a brand new family tree. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, born again as loved sons and loved daughters, this time of a perfect father. You know, with uh, Father's Day, you you might do this too. When I do a sermon on Father's Day, I, I don't always talk about fathers on Father's Day, but I'll acknowledge it. But I'll also acknowledge the pain that some people have on that day. It's a hard day. Um, at the same time, we know that research shows that fatherlessness in American homes is a, a epidemic. It's something that I think personally is behind a lot of the social problems that we have on so many levels, but we don't really like to talk about it, I think, because it's painful. But I think we also know that there's truth to that. How do you address that as a pastor? You know, God's design for families, including a father uh, in a culture that is really struggling there. What are some ways that we can address that? Well, I think, A, we just have to understand it and admit it. And if somebody says, well, I don't think, you know, God really is a father, and I don't think father fatherhood is important to God, I would say, okay, then why do you think the enemy is destroying fatherhood then? Mm. Um, That's how we know God is Father, and that's how we know that God (laughs) believes that fatherhood is central to every single person's existence, because the enemy is obviously making it his plan to destroy our concept of what a good father is. A quarter of the kids in this nation don't have a biological father who is actively involved in their lives living in their home. Why is that just some coincidence, or is that an enemy strategy to not only destroy our earthly confidence, but to put a roadblock in front of our ability to come into a relationship with the God who created us and loves us? And so we've got to get back to God Because if there is a fatherless crisis, how do you recover that? You can't put a new dad in view. I mean, you can get a mentor, and we want to do that, a coach, a friend. We applaud every single mom. We applaud stepdads who are doing a good job blessing their kids. 
that the best thing for all of us, mom, dad, and kids, is to get back to God, get back into a relationship with God, get under the blessing of God, get under the blessing of a perfect Heavenly Father, so that then we can break the curse, reverse what has happened on planet Earth, and start a new legacy whereby we now create a new path for our kids and for their kids. How? Because we have the perfect Father's blessing in our lives, no matter what we got from our earthly dad. It is so critical that we see it that way and understand the spiritual issues behind this. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You're uh, listening to my guest, Louis Giglio, who is the author of a new book called Seeing God as a Perfect Father and Seeing You as Loved, Pursued, and Secure, which came out uh, just recently. Louis, you know, one of the uh, stories that probably people, if they're going to preach on Father's Day this weekend, if they go to church and they hear that story, they're going to hear a prodigal son story, I would say. Uh, <laughs> you know, probably uh, more often than the odds think. are good. I <laughs> yeah. preached on it last Sunday, so um, yeah. I'm right there with them. Yeah. You know, what, is, what can we really get from that story? I feel like we've heard it so often that maybe we miss some key ways that really we can apply that to this important understanding of God as our perfect Father? Well, number one takeaway on the story, Pastor, that I think a lot of us miss is that the story is not about the crazy son who blew up his life. That's right. The story is about the father who went running down the road to meet him. And I preached Sunday about the other son. There was an older son in this story, and he was out there adding up the years and thinking that his performance was what was getting him accepted by his dad. But at the end of the day, And here's what God wants every one of us to take away from this story. At the end of the day, the father is outside pleading with the older performer to come into the party. And yes, your brother's home. And yes, he was lost and he's found. He was dead and he's alive. But I love you too, he said. I've always loved you. Everything I have is yours. And what this father wanted the older son to know is what the younger son had just figured out when the band started playing. And that is that, yes, their behavior mattered to their dad. Yes, absolutely. But that his love for his sons was not contingent on their performance. He loved them because he loved them. And God wants us to know that his love for us is not based on our performance. And if we can get a hold of this, Pastor, then we live our lives from the acceptance of God, not for the acceptance of God. And that is a revolutionary 180 that changes the way we live. I think that a lot of people listening need to hear that, and they need to take that to the people they know as we talk about Father's Day, and there's so much um, weight you know, in that in so many different ways. Uh, Louis, your your new book is out now. What is the best way for people to get your, your new book, Seeing God as the Perfect Father? Well, obviously, most people know that one click on Amazon.com, and that's how you can find it. Find all of our books. If you just want to find out more about the book, uh, perfectfatherbook.com is a good place to get all the info, and you can buy the book and purchase it there as well. Anywhere books are sold, really, just look for Seeing God as the Perfect Father. This is the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Louis Giglio. Louis, thanks for being with us today, and I hope that you have uh, safe travels on uh, on Father's Day. And thank you for your message. It is so important, and uh, we'll be praying that you are um, successful in really helping people connect with their Heavenly Father. 
Thank you, Pastor, so much. It's an honor to be on with you today, and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there that are doing their best to love their wives, lead their families, raise their kids, and send them out to accomplish God's best for their lives. We applaud you. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Louie, for being with us today. Thanks, Pastor. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, once again, that was Pastor Louis Giglio. You can learn more about Louis Giglio by going to louisgiglio.com, louisgiglio.com, and you can find his book, once again, Seeing God as a Perfect Father at amazon.com or wherever you typically get your books. All right, we will return as the Wednesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. That's a pretty cool story that our guest, Louis Giglio, said that his dad designed the Chick-fil-A logo. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? That, uh, you know, I that logo, like it appears in my brain sometimes Sunday afternoon, and then I drive there, and then there's the orange cones, and they're closed because that's on Sunday. But uh, that's pretty. That's a pretty cool, you know, story. Would You know, I don't know. You probably drop that in conversation when you can't. You know, my dad uh, drew that logo. I don't know if the McDonald's guy is all that impressed with a big M, Really, but, uh, you know, that's a pretty iconic symbol these days. You know what's a bad thing you probably don't tell about your dad? This was in the news today. A Belgian man pulled off a uh, a prank, and this is what he did. Father, uh, his name is David. I don't really want to give you his name because I don't want to give him this attention, really, but, I mean, I guess I'm giving it to him. He faked his own death. He faked his death. And because he wanted to see who, which one of his loved ones and friends actually cared about him. He's only 45 years old. And uh, to spread the news of his death, one of his uh, kids, who I guess was in on it, went on social media and wrote, rest in peace, daddy, I'll never stop thinking about you. And then the other kids wrote things like, you know, why is life so unfair? Why you? Those kinds of things. And then they had a funeral. And then in, this is in Belgium, they had a funeral and... It was attended by dozens of families and friends, and you can see there's the video is just it's just air. It's not really any audio to play, you know, for the radio. But you see all these people gathered together, and then a helicopter lands in the background, and it kind of swirls around a little bit, and then all of a sudden, a man and a camera crew hop out of the uh, chopper, and then he greeted the mourners with this: "Cheers to you all! Welcome to my funeral." That's what he did at his own funeral. And, you know, so then, of course, a bunch of people go over to him. And, you know, I would have thought to myself, you know, are they overjoyed or did they kill him actually and have a real funeral? Because that is a pretty terrible thing to do. <laughs> I mean, you know, it says, you know, one story I read said, you know, I, I, the, all the people went over and embraced him. And then afterward, he has said, you know, people contact me a lot more than they used to now which I suppose has to do with restraining orders and other things. That's really a a bad example of fathering right there, that you're going to fake your own death. And then uh, because you just want to find out what people really like you. That's you have some problems that's just under. I've heard a lot of things. You know, whenever I counsel people and they come in my office, I always say, you know, I say, hey, you know what, especially if they have some kind of story that that. They feel like no one's ever done before. They feel like often when people would talk to me, they would, they would say, I don't think this has happened to anybody before. And honestly, usually it's more common than you think. If you've gone through something terrible in your life, 
one of the reasons to talk to somebody about it, to get some counseling, to share it, is because in almost every case, you're not alone. Something's gone through something very similar. And I'll bet that there's somebody in your relational world or somebody at your church or somebody who knows somebody who can connect you with that person. I think God works uh, through these terrible things that way to help us through it. That's why we, we tell people. Anyway, I would tell people, they'd sit in my office, and I would say, you know what, I've heard a lot of things. I've been in ministry a long time. My dad was in ministry. Uh, and uh, you're probably not going to tell me something that is surprising. And most of the time, almost all the time, 99% of the time when I said that, it was true. And I heard some crazy stuff, but I often heard crazy stuff multiple times from different people. But occasionally, somebody would share something with me that was nuts like this. And then they'd look at me and say something like, have you ever heard that one before, uh, Pastor, that uh, my that somebody's dad faked their death and then arrived at, a, uh, at the funeral to just figure out if we loved him or not? And I would have said, no, no one has done that before. That one is a new one. And occasionally you get uh, a new one like that. Well, hopefully nothing like that has actually happened. I guess that guy, now he wants a bunch of TikTok likes and things like that. Don't do it. You know, it's it's not even an entertaining thing. It's just a weird thing that people do, I think, for, you know, he's doing it. He says he's doing it for acceptance, right? He has some kind of, uh, you know, personal problem of, you know, insecurity. I think many of us get insecure, right, about whether or not we're loved or not. And that becomes a part of parenting, as we've been talking about this hour. By the way, this is a Pastor Scott show. Number is 888-528-2557. Have you ever faked your death and then uh, showed up to your own funeral? Uh, I'd love to hear that story. <laughs> maybe maybe offline. You can send me an email at pastorscott at kkla.com. Uh, you know, people today are so often looking for that love. And I think as parents, as we've been talking about this hour, we want to do anything so that our kids know that we love them. And I might worry us if we didn't have that love from our parents, if we didn't have that. And there is an idea that your job as a parent is to give your kids self-esteem to make sure that they know that they're loved and good people. I don't think that's bad on its own. But the thing is, is that one of the ways you do that is you teach them wisdom. And this is where we started off with our hour today is that you teach wisdom to your kids, that one of the ways that your kids actually know that you love them is because you teach wisdom and because you do practice, you know, healthy discipline with your kids. We had a kid in the youth youth group one time who, uh, it was a couple of kids, a few kids, handful of kids, and they got sent home from camp, sent home from Christian camp because they had some pot that they brought to camp. I guess that wasn't on the uh, permission slip. Do not bring pot to camp. You know, I, I had the youth director add that into the the instruction manual later. Hey, when you're going to camp, you're just going to have to tell the kids you can't you can't bring your marijuana to uh, church camp. Anyway, they did, and somehow they got caught, and they got sent home. And uh, it was a long way away this camp, so we had to bring them home. And you know, we call the parents. Well, one parent um, responded in anger to us. And they were angry that we did not feel or that the camp did not feel that bringing marijuana to church camp was inappropriate. And they defended their daughter and they, you know, were very much kind of in our face about why she would have to come home and why this is none of our business and this and that. And I remember looking at the kid the whole time in this conversation 
as uh, I'm, I'm hearing what a terrible person I am. And the look on her face told it all. And she told the youth director later that she felt like, you know, her mom didn't care and that her parents didn't care. See, and the parents thought that what they were doing was defending their kid. What the parents thought that they were doing was helping their kids with self-esteem and helping their kids not have to go through a difficulty. And they were angry about the embarrassment that their kid felt and the, the inconvenience of not being able to go to camp and the disappointment of not being able to participate. But I'll tell you what, the kid understood that the parents' response was wrong. This kid fully understood that she should have been in trouble uh, from her parents, disciplined from her parents for that. And I'll never forget that. And, you know, fortunately, she had a good group of support, you know, with us and we kind of had to deal with uh, those other things. That happens a lot out there. And it's because I think as parents, we don't want the difficulty that it is to discipline our kids, but it's unwise. And our kids are smarter than that. Our kids really are. They look at our life they look at the way we do things. They look not just at what we teach, but do we live it out? Wherever you're at as a parent, can I encourage you in two, two ways? And this is as we think about Father's Day, and maybe it's directly you know, connected to you, and maybe it's not, maybe you know, you're a father, or maybe you know, that, that it's a hard Sunday for you, or whatever you're at. Or you're a mother, it's all fine. Maybe you're a grandparent who's raising your kid. I promise you that when you teach them about Jesus, but if they don't see that in your life— they're going to pay more attention to what they see you do than rather what you say. It is impactful. And they are very smart. And they also know that you ought to care about their education and you ought to care about their drug use or potential addictions and other things that you ought to be teaching them wisdom. Sometimes they know what the wisdom is. And when they don't get it, they're also smart enough to know uh, that's not okay. Be encouraged to be a parent. It's okay to say no when you know the answer ought to be no. And you will survive if they tell you that they hate you and they tell you that they don't like you and you're a terrible mom or you're a terrible dad. We all go through that. At you will survive, and I'll tell you what, long-term, your relationship with your kid will survive because later on, they will appreciate that you did that. And later on, that is something that they will always respect you for and they'll honor you for that. So let me encourage you, and, and if you've been, you know, not real good at that so far, to go, the second thing is go tell your kids you're sorry. It's completely okay to say, hey, you know what? I should have disciplined you over the marijuana incident at church camp, right? If that parent, maybe that parent did do that, I would hope so. It's okay to go back, you know what? I, I should have done this. And, you know, don't add the word but at the end. That always wrecks it. Just say, hey, I could have been better here and I'm sorry. And they may or may not accept it right away, but it is still meaningful. I promise you it is. And that's a good thing to do. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, KKLA.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Spotify. You can share it with your friends. Invite them to listen to the Pastor Scott Show. Next hour, we're going to talk about how the World Economic Forum wants to write you a new religion. No kidding. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.